Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Rimrock Church. I'm Chris Doyle. Glad you're here. This is Amy DeLang. Uh, it's name tag Sunday, so you're seeing a lot of us have been compliant this morning. Ben, you still have time while we're doing announcements to run out. In case he doesn't, that is Ben. But everybody else, you're on the hook. Got to get on there. Thad, I don't see a name tag. So we just want to connect with each other. So, so many times, as you know, coming to church, we know each other for 15 years by a head nod and a, how are you doing? This is a chance to see your name and then to use that and to connect just a little bit closer with the, one another. We are a church family here at Rimrock. If you've been coming to Rimrock and you want to get more connected, in front of you in that seat, there's a little card. It's sitting like this. You can put your name on there, deposit it on the way out by the coffee pots, and somebody from church will reach out to you and get a connection. That's what happened to Beth and I 15 or 17 years ago. Still remember Mike and Dee Hayes calling and connecting with us and bringing us into church a little bit closer. And it answered a prayer that was in our heart that we would belong to a church family. We look back on that now and we realize that we are part of a family here at Rimrock. The first step meeting. So you've been coming to Rimrock. You want to know a little bit more, more about who we are our beliefs and philosophies this morning at 10:30 in the gathering page straight out there's a there's an opportunity to hear more about rimrock so we encourage you to do that if you're being called to do it as you know we have a partnership with uh, India evangelical team IET it's a mission field in India that trains pastors to go into unreached areas of India and as you know, for five years, we've had that partnership. We sponsor 30 pastors. Ben and Mike and I had the beautiful opportunity to experience that a, a month ago. Well, we have decided as a church that we're going to do a little project this Christmas to help them. And Amy's going to give you a little description of it. And Chris is going to demonstrate for me. So this year, we've decided to um, title our Christmas project clothe a chilly gingerbread man and you can see he's bare he doesn't have anything on him he's cold um, IET has 3,572 full-time missionaries and that's India Bhutan and Nepal and winters have arrived and um, we would really love to honor those pastors by being able to provide them with a high-quality winter coat and that will keep them warm, not just for this winter, but for several winters. But more importantly, in honoring them, um, Chris talked about family. We want our pastors in India to know that their South Dakota family remembers them. And so um, in order to do that, um, we are going to purchase coats for them for $15. And our process is Back by the Christmas tree, you can come see me or someone else at the table. Donate $15 or whatever amount um, you would like. You can choose a coat. This one's a lovely plaid. We've got some other options out there. Attach the Christmas coat and then hang it on the string. We've got several hundred gingerbread men that don't have coats on. And so our hope is that by the time Christmas rolls around, they've all got coats. All right. And then Katie's got a quick announcement here about a gathering coming up shortly. Katie, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Um, we have a women's uh, ministry Christmas gathering coming up this week on Thursday from 7 to around 9 or so. Um, it will be here at the main campus downstairs. Um, we are going to have a hot chocolate bar. Um, we're going to have devotions by Rachel Benham. Um, Hannah and Jill are going to be doing some Christmas caroling for us, or they're going to lead us. We'll join you. Won't just be you. Yeah, we'll join them in Christmas caroling. And then we've got um, some cookies to decorate and also bring your own Christmas presents and boxes um, if you need them to wrap. But we will provide 
um, all the rest. So uh, we just, if you're a woman and you'd like to come, we'd just really love to have you there. I think on the invitation, if you are a woman, you should have gotten one of these invitations. It does say, it does say to RSVP, um, you can do that at the Welcome Center. But if you don't know if you can make it and then you wake up Thursday morning, you're like, oh, I'd really like to come, but I didn't RSVP, please just still come. We would absolutely love to have you. So that is this Thursday, um, beginning at 7 up here at the main campus. Um, I think that's all, so will you pray with me, and then we'll continue worship. Father, thank you so much um, just for bringing us all together this morning. Thank you for um, the Advent season, for sending your son, um, and just for being with us all today. In your name, amen. 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 So, Hannah, you're doing music Thursday night, you and Jill. Yeah, is that okay? Well, it's totally fine. I was just wondering if you're going to do any rap. Uh. <laughs> All right, it's name tag Sunday, so I want you to get up, go say hello to someone you don't know.
So uh, Dorcas Obrieke is leaving us. We're really sad to say she's been such a blessing to our church and to ISI and leading their worship team. And she's going to lead us in this song. So Alana, be sure to have her mic turned up a little. We're going to lift this up to the Lord, but if you get a chance, be sure to give her a hug goodbye. She's moving to Arizona to be with her husband.
your forgiveness, God. We bless you for your name is beautiful. And as Ben comes up, God, would you speak through him, God? We need to hear. Would you listen to us? Break down the walls that keep us from hearing you. In Jesus' name, amen. John, okay. Can you hear me? Oh, thank you. Good morning. It is a beautiful name, the name of Jesus, above all other names. What a joy to be in his presence with each of you. Um, by the way, Tom, I think you had a birthday this week, didn't you? <laughs> Who's thankful for Tom? Let's, let's give praise God for Tom. I'm so thankful for Tom. He's, uh, he's been a huge, huge blessing to me personally in so, so many ways. So this is uh, Christmas season, and as you can see, uh, we uh, have some Christmas trees up, lights up. Uh, how many of you have risked your life putting up lights this year? <laughs> Been on rooftops and trees and all kinds of places. You know, it's, it's interesting, I was reflecting that we, we celebrate Christmas in the darkest time of the year, right? The fewest hours of daylight. And, I miss those hours of daylight, maybe some of you do as, too as well, but I don't think it's a mistake that we remember the birth of Jesus in the darkest time of the year. It's uh, a central theme throughout the whole Bible, and there's, there's a lot of central themes throughout the Bible. Um, I would argue God's glory is a central theme, but the idea of God as light is a central theme through the entire Bible. And uh, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so John, as he begins the gospel, as he begins to express and write, inspired by the Holy Spirit, about who this Jesus is, that he is God, he's the Word. But there's a reference there to Genesis chapter 1. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you don't have to turn there in your Bibles, but if you go back there in your minds and you think about the very beginning of, of God's revelation, um, there's something very curious in the creation story, that God is creator, maker of everything that we know, everything we see, everything we are comes from Him. That's the central uh, truth that God is creator. But there's something very curious in that account of His creation because the very first thing, day one, what He creates is light. He said, let there be light. It's the very first thing God says. <laughs> First thing, he speaks. Um, but there's an interesting thing that if you go through the days of creation, he doesn't create the sun and the moon till the fourth day. Right? I remember in Bible school, I, I took a, a class on Genesis, and, and the professor uh, spent some time talking about that, and um, in a sense trying to maybe uh, provide some apologetics why that case is, but I, I just remember not feeling very satisfied about um, any of the things that he shared that day in class, and, and I've thought on and off over the years, but I, I honestly, it's only been over the last couple years here um, in Rapid City that I've thought deeper about that, and, and maybe have come to a, a place of understanding of why is that? Why does first day God creates light, let there be light, and then it's not till the fourth day that he creates the sun. And what I've kind of arrived at is there's, there's two kinds of light. 
And there's two kinds of darkness. And we are physical beings, right? We have bodies, we have eyes, we can see. And so we're, we're thankful for the sun. I, I just got back from Florida. I was with, down there with my uh, wife and her parents down there and very thankful for the warmth <laughs> that the sun provides, right? We, we, we like the sun. We need the sun. We need light to do everything we do. But, but day one of Genesis chapter one, which John quotes and refers to in Jesus in verse 5 he says the light shines in the darkness and so he's referring back to Genesis chapter 1 where God separated darkness from light but I don't believe that first day of creation was physical light and physical darkness there's another kind of light and there's another kind of darkness this uh, Advent season Advent means arrival or coming. It's a season of expectation where we await the birth of Jesus and Christmas, but, but this idea of Advent is so much richer than just the waiting and the arrival of the birth of Jesus. As Christians, uh, Advent goes beyond just Christmas to our expectation that, that God is breaking into human history, that there's a purpose, there's a story unfolding. And there's an advent of Christ's second coming as well. There's a, there's a, a waiting, there's an expectation of something that's going to unfold and be revealed. You know, we live in a, a time where people's thinking have, has been deeply shaped uh, by different belief systems, different ideas. And I believe uh, a lot of these ideas are, uh, find their root in Satan, who's the deceiver, the accuser and seeks to uh, lead people astray from God. If God is the creator of all things, if he made you and he made me, he and he made us for himself, for his glory, to live with him, then Satan's going to do everything he can to destroy that purpose of God. And so there's a couple dangers. One danger I see in our time is this danger of Gnosticism, which is much of the New Testament is written to warn us about this belief system, this idea that physical things are evil or wrong and that ultimate reality is found only in spiritual things. Uh, there's a lot of fingers of Gnosticism that runs in lots of different ways. But one example in our culture today is this idea of transgender identity, is a Gnostic idea that somehow your physical body can, your, your inner idea of identity can be different than your physical body. That's, that's a form of Gnosticism. The Bible warns us against Gnosticism, where, it, where it's a hyper-spirituality, where physical things are seen as less than, than spiritual things. But there's also a danger of materialism in our time. This idea that there is no spiritual reality, that everything is purely physical. <laughs> that everything can ex be explained physically. And we see this uh, is, is rampant in our culture, where people have a belief in science, where as Christians, we, we embrace science and the discovery and the understanding of God's creation and observing and understanding how he made things. God made us in his image as creators. We have a longing to know and to understand how he made things and to be creators ourselves. But, but this idea of materialism seeks to deny the existence of God or the presence of God or the presence of anything spiritual. And so we have these two extremes of Gnostic belief and material belief, and our world is rampant with these, um, I think, false beliefs. And so in Genesis chapter 1, when God said, let there be light, and then in day 4, he created physical light, I think what God is saying is that our very, um, everything he made <laughs> is made by him to be both spiritual and physical. That there is this reality of both. And, and we see it in ourselves and we see it in everything around us. And so over the next uh, four, five weeks, we're going to be, um, as a church, going through 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. So as a church, we generally preach through whole books of the Bible. We're going to do something different. We're going to only spend... Uh, four or five weeks in two verses of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at phrases each Sunday. 
So I would ask if you would uh, join me and turn in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, and if you would be willing to stand in honor of God's word, um, and I will read out of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 6. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You may be seated. So you may be wondering, is this a Christmas verse? <laughs> you probably haven't heard very many um, Advent series based on this verse, but I believe it is a Christmas verse. It's an incarnation verse. Paul is writing to a group of believers who uh, are going through a lot of trials. He's gone through trials. Um, they're discouraged by people who don't believe in Jesus around them. Paul has been discouraged because people are bringing accusations against him. Um, the believers are struggling as, uh, in their faith and they're, they're, they're wondering why so many bad things are happening, why there's so many difficult things. And so Paul wants to encourage and he begins chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians by saying, do not lose heart. And he ends the chapters by saying, do not lose heart. And in the middle of the chapter, we have these verses and he reminds us about the incarnation, that Jesus has a face, a physical face. That's what Christmas is. We celebrate the incarnation. In 1 John, which I read earlier, it says uh, that the word became flesh, meaning he took on human flesh and he made his dwelling among us. <laughs> wow, what an amazing thing that God, the creator, became flesh, the incarnation. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord, he says, Jesus Christ is Lord, has a face. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to focus on this phrase in verse 6, the God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Now this is a direct quote from Genesis chapter 1, day 1 of creation. So there's a connection here that Paul is wanting to make for us to understand what God is doing and what he wants to do in our lives, what he wants to do in my heart and your heart. If you notice in 2 Corinthians 4, it says that God's purpose is to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory, right? But it's to shine in our hearts. Now remember I said there's two kinds of light and there's two kinds of darkness. And he quotes Genesis chapter 1, first day of creation, not the fourth day of creation. So we know he's not talking about physical light. <laughs> he's not saying, you need a brighter flashlight. <laughs> he's not saying, you need a, a more Christmas lights on your house. But I think the physical reality of light helps us understand more about what this kind of light is. And so it's an illustration. It helps us understand what God wants to reveal to us. Now, in the Christmas story, there, there's something um, pretty amazing that happens. Um, you guys uh, know, many of you know the story where Mary um, has this encounter with an angel, and I want to read a little bit out of Luke chapter 1, um, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth, Elizabeth's pregnancy, so that's Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So Mary and Joseph, right? A descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now that must be important that she's a virgin. She's unmarried. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
It says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting is this? What's going on? But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. So there's something very profound happening here. Mary, a simple girl, woman, engaged to be married, her whole life in front of her, and she has this disruption of an angel who says that she's highly favored, and she's told that she's going to become pregnant, but not in the normal, usual way. <laughs> that God is going to do something. Now remember the, the dangers of, of Gnosticism and materialism, but, but here what we see is both a physical reality of pregnancy, creating of a human being, flesh, and a spiritual reality of God doing something, the overshadowing of God. In Genesis chapter 1, we're told that there was a, a void, a darkness, after God separated the light and darkness, and, and it says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. What we see here in this account with Mary is the same idea of Genesis chapter 1. This is a creation moment. God is breaking into the physical reality with his light with his presence, with his power, with his glory, and he's doing something that only God can do. <laughs> this is something only God can do. So you might be sitting here wondering, why, why are we talking about this? What does this have to do with life in 2022 <laughs> in South Dakota? What does this have to do with real life, right? Tomorrow we'll wake up, we'll go to work, We'll go to school, we'll spend time with our family, with our friends. Some of you have pressures in your work, you have bills to pay, there's physical things that maybe you're dealing with. And so you might be sitting there saying, you know, we, we know the Christmas story, we know all this, we hear all this, but what does this mean? And this is why I believe God wants us to spend time meditating on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 because this has everything to do with what God wants to do in my life, in your life, in our world. Paul says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. This is another Christmas. Some of you have celebrated many Christmases. Some of you have 60 plus Christmases under your belt. <laughs> Some of you are beginning maybe your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth Christmas. Some You've done 20 or 30 Christmases. And it's the same story over and over again. But don't lose heart. Because God is creating something new. <laughs> There's a creation moment that happened 2,000 years ago that is continuing to unfold. And so the question in 2 Corinthians is, is how, do we, how do we celebrate Christmas, the reality of God becoming flesh and shining His light the same God who created light out of darkness and separated light from darkness, how does that affect us? How does it affect me? How does it affect us in our present weakness with sickness, relationships that are struggling, people that we love who don't believe in Jesus, a world that is hostile against Jesus? Paul says later in 2 Corinthians 4, outwardly we're wasting away. He says we have this treasure in jars of clay and so we feel weak, we struggle. And I think this is why, and this is my prayer as we spend the next weeks, next month thinking about this verse. This is why we need to know about this other kind of light that God created. Not a light that we can see with our eyes, but it's real. <laughs> it is so real. 
and it changes everything. It changes us. It changes our world, and it's, it's transforming everything. It's a light that is present, but not everyone sees it. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. So many people can't see it. But my prayer is for us, God's people, that we would see it, that you would see it, that this Christmas wouldn't just be another Christmas, but that it would be a time where we can see the light of what God wants to do in our hearts. So if the light is real, there's also a real darkness. That's why the verse says, God who said, let light come out of darkness. I didn't understand this until we went through the series of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus uh, helped me understand this more and more. It had such a profound effect on me. But Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So he's talking about physical light, right? There's a physical light and there's a physical darkness. I've, I've been in a cave with no light. <laughs> there's a real physical darkness, right? But there's also another kind of darkness. Jesus says, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. But then if the light within you is darkness. So now he's talking about something different. He was talking about physical light and darkness. But now he says, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So Jesus is teaching us something, that when God created the world, there's, there's both a physical reality, but there's a spiritual reality to this world. We're not materialists. <laughs> we, we understand that God made this world spiritual and physical, and one is not better than the other. There are two parts of the reality of creation, of what God made, and we're made in his image. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus explains what that darkness is. He tells us that darkness comes from the heart. And he says it's, it's the sin within us. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he describes it as anger. And so uh, when my, my son does something that disappoints me or, or disobeys, sometimes there's something in me that arises called anger. <laughs> and I get frustrated, right? And what do I do with that anger? And Jesus said, that anger can be a darkness and it can destroy relationships. That's why there's people who don't talk to each other. That's why there's people who hate each other. That's why there's resentments and there's all kinds of hurt in our world because there's an anger and he calls that darkness. He says there's lust, that in the human heart there's desires and that desire can be twisted in such a way where we become selfish and we seek to take from someone and try to get what we want from other people. And Jesus said, that's a darkness. And he says, in our heart, there's worry. We're worried about the future. We're worried about the past. We're worried about what's gonna happen in our lives. And he says, that's a darkness. Jesus said, there's fear in the human heart. And he described that as a darkness. Even Mary had that in her heart. She was troubled, she was afraid. <laughs> And then Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, there's judgment. And so we look at others and we either think we're better than others or we think we're worse than others. We compare ourselves to the other, to other people. We condemn other people. And Jesus says, that's a darkness. And then Jesus said, there's an unforgiveness in the human heart. And that's a darkness. He says, if you do not forgive your peop the people in your life, your father won't forgive you. And so, so the darkness is real. The darkness is real. And it's not physical darkness. No one can see it. No one can see the anger, or the fear, or the worry, the judgment, the unforgiveness. We can't see it, but it's there. And it has an effect on your families and the workplaces, on everything, on our country, on the world. The darkness is real. But I love what 2 Corinthians 4 says. That God says, let light shine out of darkness and God made this is a creation moment so if God created everything at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and that Mary the Spirit of God overshadowed her and it was a new creation moment where God stepped into the human story into human history and the God who made everything became flesh became one of us it was a creation moment. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us 
there's a new creation moment for you and for me and for every person in this world. We don't have to be defined by the darkness. The darkness doesn't win. Fear doesn't win. Resentment doesn't win. Anger doesn't win. There's a light that shines out of the darkness. God, he brings order out of chaos. That's the creation story. The the earth was formless and void and God brought order. He takes suffering and he brings redemption. He takes waste and he brings purpose. We just went through the Gospel of Mark. He takes a cross and he brings hope and life. He takes sin and he turns it into grace. And as 1 John says, he can bring life out of death. So there's a light that God wants to shine into darkness. But notice what 2 Corinthians 4, the darkness, where is it? It's not out there, it's in here. (laughs) The darkness is in here, in all of us. This is the reality of why Jesus needed to come into the world, because something needed to change. There's a new creation unfolding. And so it's a Christmas that's really about a new creation. Not only the new creation of Jesus coming to the world, but the new creation of human beings, people, men and women, created by God for his glory, but loved by God. And God wants to do something in our lives. He wants to do something in us that changes everything. And I think that's what 2 Corinthians 4, 5 and 6 is all about. He wants to shine into our hearts so that instead of fear and worry and anger and unforgiveness and lust and all those things that destroy us and destroy our relationships, God wants to bring trust. He wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring love. He wants to bring peace. He wants to bring forgiveness. He wants to bring joy and happiness. And isn't that what we long for? Isn't that why we celebrate with Christmas time and we, we all want those things? <laughs> but sometimes we don't experience those things. But I know that we can experience those things because Jesus came into our world. I told you we got to, we're going to celebrate communion here and we got to go down to uh, Florida to be with my, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, my wife's parents. And... Uh, we had a really difficult year because uh, last fall, uh, her, my, my wife's dad was diagnosed with uh, leukemia, a form of cancer, and he was told uh, he had a very small chance of living past a year. And uh, they did a, a transplant, and, and they said he had a, maybe a 20% chance of, of that working, and, and God did a miracle, and he was healed and restored, and, and God preserved his life. Um, and we had time as a family, and we were extra thankful this Thanksgiving that we got to spend another Thanksgiving with him, but he shared the struggle of this year, and there were some really dark times. He talked about uh, intense pain, not only physical pain, but just the, the, the isolation and the, the struggle and the fear and all those things that I described in darkness he experienced, but he told us with our family gathered around that in his darkest moment, he had a picture from the Gospels where Jesus was walking and a desperate woman grabbed the robe of Jesus. And he told us that's all he could think about is just, I gotta hold on to Jesus. And um, he shared that with our family and, and I think what struck us is not just that God has preserved his life and given him a few more years. We, we're all gonna physically die one day. We have no guarantee that we're going to live long, but, but God did something in him. A light shone into the dark places of his life and gave him hope and freedom and peace. All those things we can't see with our eyes, but what Jesus is talking about. And I think God doesn't just want to do that with a few people. I think God wants to do that with all. He wants to give us this amazing new creation where his light shines into our hearts. And I want to invite those who are going to give communion to come on up, uh, elders and servers. 
And as they're coming up, I want to read this verse out of 2 Corinthians 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, meaning we don't just look at people as physical beings or purely spiritual beings. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And I'm going to ask you to take the bread and the cup, and I want you to hold on to it, and we're going to all take it together here.
Jesus came so we could see that other kind of light that God created in Genesis chapter 1 and that Jesus now makes possible for us to see. He came physically, but he also came to do something new in you and me, to make us into new creations where the old is gone and the new has come. And so let's remember that gift this Christmas. And so let's take this bread and eat it in remembrance of Jesus. Let's take the cup and drink and remember the blood that was shed for the new covenant. Praise the name of Jesus. Stand and sing that to me, would you? shine through to see you Wednesday night.